shelter and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not be afraid, even if the earth is shaken and mountains fall into the ocean depths, even if the seas roar and rage and the hills are shaken by the violence. There is a river that brings joy to the city of God, to ascend to the house of the Most High. God is in that city, and it will never be destroyed. At early dawn, he will come to its aid. Nations are terrified, kingdoms are shaken, God thunders and the earth dissolves. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Come and see what the Lord has done, see what amazing things he has done on earth. He stops wars all over the world, he breaks bows, destroys spears and sets shields on fire. Stop fighting, he says, and know that I am God, supreme among the nations, supreme over the world. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This is the word of the Lord. New Testament readings from uh, the Gospel of John, according to John, chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. In the same way, I have opened my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy will be in you. I also want your joy to be complete. Here is my command. Love each other, just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than the one who gives his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I do not call you servants anymore. Servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. I have told you everything I learned from my father. You did not choose me. Instead, I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit. It is fruit that will last. Then the father will give you anything you ask for in my name. Here is my command. Love each other. Amen. Sorry, my, uh, my voice has been going a bit this week and uh, that's been a bit of a struggle, but I, I'm sure it won't uh, let me down this morning. That's a matter of faith. Memories. You know, as I shared in the earlier part of this service, my mind was going back and I thought, what can I remember and, and one of the things that always comes to my mind, particularly at a time like this, and, and we sang the hymn this morning, um, O oh God, our help in ages past. Air Force changed plans. Instead of low-level bombing, they decided to try high-level bombing. So high, in fact, that not a bomb hit the ship. And four days later... Sir William's prayers were answered and it sailed away from Malta and was further used within the Second World War. But I mention those things because here in God's hands was a man who trusted him and who brought deliverance to that island. I remember... I did my own national service for the major part in in Singapore. And 
a colleague of Sir William's, another general, another Bible-believing Christian general by the name of Sir Arthur Smith, who had been commander of forces in uh, India just before independence in 1947. He'd retired and uh, he paid a visit to Singapore. And I remember as a young Christian in those days going to a Bible class of servicemen. And we had the privilege of having uh, Sir Arthur Smith come and speak to us. It's the only time I've ever met a general. Um, But uh, he came and he spoke to us about his faith in Jesus Christ. And he was a general during the First World War. At least he he wasn't a general during the First World War, but he he was in the First World War. And his father had given him a Bible and he had inscribed on the flyleaf of this Bible words from one of the Psalms about God giving protection to him. And Sir Arthur Smith talked about the time when on the battlefield he'd been hit by shrapnel and he had to be taken to hospital. And they found that he had been protected from serious injury from that shrapnel by his Bible which was in his inside pocket. And when he examined the pages of that Bible, when he examined the pages of that Bible, he found that the point of the shrapnel finished, guess where? At the verse of the psalm which his father had written on the flyleaf. Two people whom God mightily used, not just because they were good soldiers, but because they were men who put their trust in God, who believed that their cause was right, and sought to uphold that before the men and women who were serving under them, and in particular in the case of Sir William Dobby, there in Malta, a Roman Catholic place, but one where the local Roman Catholic Archbishop commented once that in his examination of the lives of the saints, which is something that he did as a matter of course, he had never met a saint comparable to Sir William Dobby. Things from that war. In actual fact, Sir William Dobby was on the staff of uh, General Haig in the First World War, and he was on duty when uh, um, Marshal Fock, was it, who uh, issued, or who signed the armistice in 1918, had uh, sent word out that uh, hostilities were to stop at 11, 18, uh, 11 o'clock um, on November the 11th. And uh, it was uh, Sir William Dobby, then as a young officer, who received that message and sent out a telegram to all the troops on the Western Front that uh, hostilities would cease. And there's an interesting fact about that, because that acknowledgement that peace had come there in 1918 was just 25 years after Sir William Dobby himself had found peace with God through trust 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. He committed his life to Christ. He knew what it was to have peace with God. And it was his privilege and responsibility there in 1918 to send out that word for peace. And so I'm thankful to that person who called on me uh, last week and uh, reminded me of a little book that I had. And the men of faith who've served in our armed forces, whether it's the army, the navy or the air force, men of faith, men of trust, men who've demonstrated that it's possible in those circumstances to honour God. But I was also reminded this week of another story that I read over 40 years ago. And it's in a different realm altogether. Most of us at some time, we may have seen it many, many times, uh, the film The Bridge Over the River Kwai. But did you know, and I mean much of what is in that film is taken from uh, the stories that men who were there have given. But uh, there was a captain by the name of Ernest Gordon who was captured by the Japanese in 1940, 1941 and was taken to Burma and was working on that railroad that went through Burma and they were trying to open up a way into India. And Ernest Gordon wrote a book called The Miracle on the River Kwai. And I remember when I read that, being profoundly challenged by something that he put in it. He fell ill himself. He was looked after by some of his comrades, but there was a general atmosphere of despair within the camp because of the things that were happening, the brutality of Japanese guards, the loss of life, nearly 400 lives lost for every mile of that railway. And yet Ernest Gordon speaks of a time when one day, at the end of the day, the end of the work schedule, they gather together and the authorities counted up the tools that had been used. And there was a shovel missing. And that suggested, of course, that there might be somebody trying to dig themselves out of that camp. And so, having assembled all the troops, the guards wanted to know who had taken that shovel. And for a while there was silence. And then he said, well, everybody's going to die. And he lined up his rifle and he was going to shoot the first person. When all of a sudden, away down the end of the line, a man stepped forward. And it's interesting because on the Remembrance uh, Programme last night, they, met, they, they showed some folk from the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders. But a soldier from the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders stepped forward and said, I did it, I took it, and just stood there. And the guard was so incensed by the calmness of what was happening that he started to assault this man and beat him and eventually raised his rifle and, and brought it down on his skull and, and crushed him to the ground. 
the colleagues carried his body away. And once again, the authorities counted the tools. And nothing was missing. And we read in that scripture in John's Gospel, greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus went on to say, you are my friends. And that day, in that camp, things began to change. Didn't all disappear overnight. But folks started to care more deeply for one another. In fact, quite something, and when he calls it the miracle on the river Kwai, it was nothing short of miracles, because there were a couple of botanists who started to grow a garden with medicinal plants. There were others who started to run courses in different languages and some of the other different disciplines. There were folks who, out of bamboo sticks, made musical instruments. And the whole tenor of that camp life, for all its horrific nature, started to change. And Ernest Gordon talks about the miracle on the River Kwai. And how things began to change, even to the point that when the war came to an end and the prisoners there were released, they didn't show revenge upon their captors. They showed compassion. I want to say to myself and to you today on this Remembrance Sunday, I don't know what your remembrances are. But I want to say, will today make a difference? We can remember the past. We can remember perhaps particular individuals. Some of those names that we have listened to today may be relatives or may have been past relatives. But will today make a difference? Will there be something about our coming together today, listening to the sacrifice of others, listening to what God has done by his mighty power through those who will be prepared to trust him in the most difficult of circumstances? Is there something that's going to touch my heart and your heart today? so that the world around us changes. There in that Japanese camp, life changed. People changed. Hearts were changed. Because one man, who had not done anything wrong himself in terms of those tools, stepped forward and said, I did it. This is a Christian service. And we acknowledge our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, 
who himself, having done nothing wrong, stepped forward and said, I did it. I took my sin and yours upon my shoulders. And just as in every occasion when we celebrate communion or the Lord's Supper, we remember Jesus. So this is a time to remember. If each of us went out today, this perhaps would be a different remembrance service from any we have ever been to before. Because not just a remembrance of the past. We've offered prayers that we might be different. It needs to be something that catches our hearts, catches our wills and changes us. Many other stories of things that happened in two world wars and many conflicts since. We've seen recently a young soldier being awarded the George Cross because he himself was prepared to throw himself on the ground to try and protect his colleagues from an exploding grenade. Thankfully he survived. But a man who was prepared to do that, Malta, the only community that I know of, that has ever been awarded as a community that high award of the George Cross. It's normally only awarded to individuals. But because of Malta's stand in World War II, it received that award. We're not into the business of rewards. Most of the folk who receive awards say, well, I represent my colleagues and my friends. They were there with me. I'm the one that's got it, but, but it's for them as well. But my word is, Jesus did it for me. He took my sin. He died on the cross. He said, I did it. And as part of our remembrance today, we should be saying, I want to follow him. I want to... Put my life in his hands. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the challenges, whether in the workplace, the home or the community, that Jesus might be seen. Just a prayer before we sing our concluding hymn. Lord, we, we thank you for those who have gone before. We sang in our hymns about those who you have taken into your presence, those who've been a challenge to us. Lord, help us as a result of our time of remembrance today, not just for it to be a passive, placid thing, but to be something which will enable us, young or old, to be different. To be those who name the name of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, help us, we pray.
for Christ's sake. Amen.